0: Hey, friends. Welcome to the Empowered Homes podcast. Uh, As you know, the purpose of of this podcast is to grow strong families by connecting church and home. And I'm sitting here on Zoom with Justin Kendrick. Justin, welcome, man. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Justin, we're going to talk about your book, which is just so vital for our listeners to understand what it means to be a disciple. Uh, But before we get that, tell me about your family and tell me about who you are, what you do, where you're at.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in Connecticut and Massachusetts. We're up in the frozen corridor of the Northeast. We love it up here. And uh, I pastor a church called Vox Church. We have nine locations launching our 10th this uh, this fall. And uh, we have four kids. We have three boys and a two-year-old adopted daughter. And uh, And so me and my wife are right in the middle of the crazy. And it's awesome. We love it. We've been married 17 years, been together 21 years. And I'm 38. So I've actually been with my wife longer than I have not been with my wife. So, uh, you know, I married, uh, I married way up. And so, yeah, that's just a little bit about us. Love our church. Um, love Jesus. And, you know, really for over 20 years, I've just been a student of discipleship. What does it mean to really grow in Jesus intentionally? And, uh, so love the topic. It's yeah.
0: I'm awesome. I'm super excited to talk to you about your book. Um your book's called Bury Your Ordinary and it's <laughs> yeah, all yeah. about it's all about discipleship. And one of the things that, you know, we care about with Empowered Homes is, man, We can't ask parents to disciple their kids if they've never been disciples. They don't even know what that means to be a disciple. And so you give a blueprint and handlebars really for anybody to understand this uh, idea and concept of discipleship. So before we jump in to the book, like, what does discipleship mean to you? Like, if you have to define that, what is that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think discipleship in a nutshell is to mature in your. Uh, relationship with Jesus, right? So I think that's probably the most basic, simple definition to be a growing follower of Christ is to be a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. But I think the tricky thing about discipleship is, you know, most people would say yes, that are believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, attend church, are part of the family of God. They'd say, yes, I'm a disciple of Christ. But then when you probe a little bit deeper and you say, well, what's your plan for discipleship? How are you growing? Uh, You get a lot of blank stares, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, well, I meet with my pastor sometimes, or I attend a small group, or I participate in Sunday worship. And those are all good answers, but that's not really a holistic uh, vision for intentional spiritual growth. And so uh, in the book, I talk about this idea that that discipleship is really, when you boil it down, growth in love. So it, to spiritually grow, it means doesn't mean I know more Bible verses. It doesn't mean that I you know, give more money per se. It really means at its core... That I love God more, that I love my spouse more, that I love my neighbor more, that I even learn to love my enemy more. And so growth in love really is the definition of of a mature believer or a disciple. But the tricky thing is how do you grow in love, right? Like we could try to be more loving, but uh, most people don't really have a plan to grow in love. And so in the book, I lay out seven habits that will actually teach your heart to grow in love. And as you practice these habits, what you'll find is your love will grow, which means your maturity will grow.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk about the habits in a moment, but you you titled it "Bury Your Ordinary. What does that mean?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went back and forth on the title, but, you know, I think that a lot of Christians have a vision of discipleship that is pretty ordinary. You know, I think it's this idea of, well, you know, I meet for coffee with a friend and we talk about our problems. We pray for each other. We send each other a Bible verse. Maybe I get on the Bible app and I read, you know, a two-minute devotional in the morning. That's kind of like the ordinary Christian way. Uh, And I think, candidly, it's not working so well. You know, you're looking at our nation and the world and so many Christians, especially over these last 16 months, their faith has crumbled. I mean, they're just, and their family's a mess. It's a disaster. And a lot of it comes back to this this idea that there really was never an intentional plan to stay healthy in the first place. And so the idea is, listen, ordinary has served you for some time, but it's probably time uh, to put that thing in the ground and come up with a new plan. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Yeah, book.
0: no, I, I love that and understanding not only the ordinary, but we're called to be disciples in the everyday stuff of life, too, yeah. uh, of, of knowing and following Jesus in those things. And the seven habits, and I'm not going to give away the seven habits. We may hit on a few. But, cool. you know, just your heart for this uh, in the book, you could just tell, like, you're passionate about this. But where did this come from, like, as a yeah. a, a need from your congregation? Or uh, yeah. you you mentioned just Christians in general, and especially coming out of the season we just came out of. But yeah. uh, what's... If, if you could... You know, sell me this book. Like, what's
1: what's why do we need this? Yeah, that's a great question. This actually came out of uh, really a lifelong passion. So, um, I was 17 years old, figuring out where I was going to go to Bible school. Passionate about Jesus, a new believer in Jesus, uh, a couple years old at that time in Christ, and um, and I really sensed from the Holy Spirit this call to make disciples. And obviously, it's in the Scripture, Matthew 28. There's a pretty clear call, right, Uh, to make disciples. But uh, I felt it very personally. And I remember just uh, going back to uh, my house and wrestling with God and saying, God, I don't even know what that means. You know, I don't even know what discipleship really means. Like, I don't have a plan. And so uh, throughout college, I moved in with a couple guys, led them to faith in Jesus Uh, started, you know, uh, this little hub of disciples that were growing in Christ. And I just started experimenting, you know, figuring out how do I help these guys grow? What could I challenge them to do? Uh, What order would I challenge them in, you know, and, uh, and by my senior year in college, I had nine guys living in a two bedroom apartment. And uh, we were all like I was like the disciple maker of these guys at 20 years old, you know, uh, growing them in their faith, guys that came out of some rough backgrounds. I married my my sweetheart uh, two weeks after I graduated, and we immediately had somebody move in with us. And um, we just started this discipleship process right in our house. That's like marriage 101. Don't let somebody move in with yeah. you. Right, right. But we did. And uh, And by the time we launched our church seven years later, we had about 14 houses in a three-block radius that were all these people who had met Jesus growing in Christ. We called it the cul-de-sac, although that maybe wasn't the <laughs> most popular name, but, uh, but it wasn't a cult. It was just a lot of people who had met Christ and who are now in this process of discipleship. So through that 15-year period, uh, I started experimenting with habits. I knew that that growing in love was always the goal. You know, I knew that like the great theologian Jonathan Edwards, he says that Christian maturity is the outworking of agape in your life. So, you know, to the degree that you really love like God does, that is maturity. And so I always had my 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 aim at how do I grow in love? And really what happened was these these practical habits just began to emerge over the course of those years and then we tried them out. And so it started with me and then a few friends, and then really a community of about 25 or 30. And then when we launched our church, what we found is when we taught these guys, these habits in this order, we found that their spiritual growth was like a skyrocket. Like what would take 10 years took four and what would take, you know, three years took three months. And so there's some things in Christian maturity, you can't microwave. We all know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but there are a lot of things that you can actually skip if you're intentional about how and what Uh, you focus on in your spiritual growth. And so we found these to be like pressure cookers that really allowed people to grow quickly. And, um, and, you know, I think at the church, at any church level, we have our gatherings, we have our systems and our routines, but I've met with hundreds of churches and tragically, I think a lot of churches don't have a really intentional one-on-one discipleship plan. We might have a class, we might have like coaches and buddies and stuff like that, but then what specifically is the coach or the buddy doing with their accountability partner, that's where things oftentimes get pretty thin. And so um, that's where these seven habits become uh, like rocket fuel, really, to allow people to grow. And and what I love what you just said was
0: this isn't a theory that you thought, oh, these these seven (laughs) habits might be good. Maybe "Maybe this will work. Yeah, let's write a book. (laughs) But but these are coming out of things that you put into practice. You, you, You did it the right way. You didn't write a book thinking, Hey, this might work. Try it. You're right. You wrote a book based off of things that did work for you in your context,
1: which is powerful. And candidly for the last 10 years, uh, I've had people pulling me aside saying, when are you going to write this down for us? And me going, well, let's try it for a little longer. I want to tinker with it some more. And when are you going to write this down for us? And then finally, uh, just last year was like, you know, I think it's time to write this down. And so, uh, yeah, for us, it's really been, um, it's been a 20 year journey. And again, you know, the way I talk about it in the book, I, I, don't, I don't see this as like the one and only way to disciple people by no means. I think, you know, when God created the world, uh, he created things like uh, seeds and cows and chickens. And he didn't tell Adam how to raise chickens or how to harvest crops. He just gave him all the tools and said, listen, go figure it out. And I think discipleship is similar to that. Jesus told us, go therefore and make disciples. He's yeah. given us all these tools for spiritual growth, but he expects us to put them in a in a system that really allows for that growth to to happen. Yeah, and it depends on your context and culture, and there's, and there's so different much. ways of doing it. And yeah. I do yeah, think these good. seven habits really do transcend some of like the the cultural things of our day. Uh, I found them to be useful, really, in in almost any context. But I also think that there are other ways of structuring discipleship that can thrive as well. And so, yeah, um, this is so,
0: one. Yeah, so. We've been talking about these habits, and yeah. our, our our folks at home who are listening are probably going, "All right, get to the habits." Come on, right. come on, yeah, yeah. But I don't want you to give them away because I want people to pick up your book, man. Sure. And so, at like a thirty thousand foot level, give me an overview of kind yeah. of these these habits.
1: Absolutely. Well, what I'll do is I'll give you the first three, and that way uh, the last four just torture all of our listeners. No, I <laughs> hope to don't torture you, but yeah. no, I, I do want to encourage you in these. So, the, the first uh, three I call them centering habits. So. What they are is their habits that help you keep Jesus at the center of your life, Hmm. because like a lot of people, you know, um, Jesus seems to wander from the center of our lives. Right. You know, first it's Jesus and then pretty soon it's money and work and then it's kids and then it's, you know, the marriage and then all these things kind of fight for the center position. And so. The first three habits really help you keep Jesus at the center. Uh, The second two habits, I call them guardrail habits. They're the habits that help you not drive your life right off the cliff. Mm -hmm. And so um, obviously, if you've been paying attention to the church at large, uh, a lot of leaders, our lives are driving off the cliff. And so these habits are critical for the long haul type of uh, life. And that leads to the last two habits, which I call uh, long haul habits, which really they're the habits that keep you going for 10, 20 Thirty years, and and that's why it took so long to write this book because I wanted to actually practice these for twenty years before um, I started writing about them. And so um, I'll give you just the first habit, and then maybe we can talk about that a little bit. The first habit is, is is so simple, and a lot of these, you know, the secret of the habit is not that you've never heard it before, but it's just in the application and the consistency. And so the first habit I call it the habit of relationship, and it's to spend the first hour of your day alone with God. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians have this idea of a quiet time, you know, and and spend some time with God. But I think as soon as you start to press on that, what you find is that the majority of Christians, it's about 15 minutes or less, and yeah. uh, it's not going too deep. And so this first habit will really mess up your life uh, in a pretty significant way. And so, you know, immediately, right, like I've got kids, I've got plans, I've got to get to the gym, I've got to do all that. Well, you know, candidly. Um, I've worked with hundreds of people on this first habit. And you can do this with four kids. You can do this if you got to get to the gym. You can do this with a lot of other responsibilities. um, And it does mess up your life. It really does. And it's so worth it. And so in the book, I really talk about what should that hour look like. uh, But I always challenge people, try habit one for 30 days. It'll mess up your life, but try it for 30 days, an hour, the first hour of your day alone with God and use some of the tools that we give you in the book to actually practice this 60 minutes. So you're not bored out of your mind because some people really struggle to focus, you know, and yep. that's fine. Um, try for 30 days and see what happens and you'll never go back. You never will. You'll find that your experience with Jesus is multiplied tenfold just by this first habit actually being practiced. And, uh, um, yeah, so that's just the little okay. super simple habit one.
0: Habit one. Let me let me push back on you because I yeah. can hear I can hear the listener going. That's one, right. One hour? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? What if I just spend little moments throughout the day? Does it have right. to be that one hour? I you right. know I, I could you know I got fifteen minute car ride. I that's can right. spend time that's and right. then coming home. I got this. Maybe at lunch break. Lunch break, break I could for do half this.
1: hour. Yep. Yeah.
0: So what would you say to that person who's like
1: you know? Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm not going to say two things. One, the human heart always runs to religion, right? I'm not saying that Jesus loves you more because you spent an hour in the morning. No, 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 no. You're not earning money points with God. You know, you're not, you know, uh, making him like you. Uh, He already loves you exponentially more than you could ever imagine. And so, you know, our hearts do run to works. And so, with all these habits, I spend a lot of time talking about the fact that they're habits of grace. They're not habits of works. You're not earning, you know, your position before Jesus by doing these things. But there is something that we see all through scripture called the law of the first. And, you know, the law of the first is this idea where Jesus mentions it in Matthew, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Uh, You see it, I think it's in Mark chapter four, where Jesus leaves the crowd, finds a desolate place and gets alone in the morning and praise. Uh, David says, I'll seek your face in the morning. Uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments in the morning. Abraham received his call to sacrifice his son Isaac in the morning. Uh, There is this powerful thing all through scripture where we find that God really does meet us when we make him first in our time. And so we wake up and we say, you know what, before I do anything else, I'm going to meet with you. And when we do that, It just speaks back to God. You are my priority. And it's powerful. It's powerful. So could you spend time at lunch with God or pray at night? Sure. All those things are good. But I just always challenge people, just try it and see. And you'll find that throughout your whole day, it's marked with a different level of uh, intimacy with Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And it goes back to uh, your vision and mission of Growing in love, and so yeah. we're growing in our love for who God is and who He is for us, and we're growing in our love for Him yeah. through through this one hour habit. Uh, not to give everything away, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but like, what are some examples of uh, that you give of that one hour in the book?
1: Absolutely. So uh, there's a lots of different ways that you can uh, approach time with God. Um, what I use is what I call a sow and dig model sow and dig. So you sow God's word into your mind and you dig deep in prayer. And so those are obviously little cheesy acronyms to help people remember. But um, what I'm talking about with sowing is uh, the S stands for systematic reading. And so that's just a progressive reading of the scripture. A lot of people do that, right? So if I'm going to read John chapter one today, I'm going to read John chapter two tomorrow. I'm going to read John chapter three the next day. That's systematic reading. Uh, O would stand for one topic study. So that says, hey, I really want to study joy. So I'm going to take every passage in the Bible. I'm going to study joy. And then the third thing uh, that the W just means waiting and repeating. So that's just looking at what you've read and just waiting for the Lord to speak to you and repeating it. So I actually challenge people in the book to create a schedule that mixes up your time with God. So say you spend the first 30 minutes of that hour with the Bible. And you'd use this so method. So say on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, you would do your systematic reading. So you'd kind of be reading through the same book, chapter by chapter, maybe one or two chapters, you know, a day, not a ton, but you're just observing and then you're writing down anything you sense the Lord saying to you. And so that's kind of your systematic reading. Say you're doing that three days a week, but then Tuesdays and Thursdays you're doing your one topic study where you're studying peace or you're studying the Holy spirit or whatever it is on your heart that you want to study. You're, you're kind of using some tools, you know, and I outline those to kind of focus on that topic. And then your weekend, it's more just meditating on what you learned all week, going over it, asking God how you can apply it, waiting and repeating. So that's a little bit of a format. I give more specifics for how to approach the Bible on a weekly basis. And then the, uh, The approach to scripture or to to, to prayer, I encourage people to learn how to dig. And so, the D stands for declaring your love. Learning to just have times of worship that aren't in a congregational setting, but are just times where you're worshiping. Uh, And then the I stands for intercession and requests. God actually wants you to make requests of Him. He says, "Ask and you'll receive." So that's an important part of prayer. And then, uh, and then that uh, that G stands for godly confessions. And confessions really have two sides. It's the confession of sin. But it's also the confession of who you are in Christ, actually speaking those things out in a confessional way. And so I outline how to do those things. But those take up the second half of your time with God. So you'd spend the first half in one of those kind of modules for for reading the scripture and the second half in uh, in prayer. And, you know, I try to make it so practical that you don't get bored because for somebody who's never had time with God, an hour is super intimidating. And so I say, hey, listen, start with 15 minutes. After you do that for a couple of weeks, go to 30 and then 45 and build yourself up to an hour. And before you know it, I mean, man, at this stage in my journey with Jesus, the hour feels like five minutes. It just flies by. And there's not a minute where I'm like, oh, this is you know, brutal. Um, but it's like a muscle. You have to build the, uh, the discipline of, uh, of time alone. And the idea behind this whole thing is, again, you're not trying to just gain knowledge. Really, what you're trying to do is experience and receive God's love for you. Because you can only give love to the degree that you've received it, right? And so this time with God is really about you experiencing His truth so that you can then go live from that truth of His love for the rest of your day. That's,
0: man, so good, so practical. And just uh, I'm getting kind of geeked out just thinking of (laughs) different new exciting ways that we can challenge people to get beyond the excuses, get beyond, uh, you know, the thing, well, I can't do this. I can't do. This. We, if, if it's a priority, we're gonna make the time. And so, the first step I love is just to grow in our love for God through spending time with Him. And you lay it out so easy for folks to yeah. that that those who f- brand new, but then those who have been, I've had a quiet time for fifty years. You know, those right. those people, something he, fresh. You give them something fresh, and it's so so good. So, the I won't give away any of the other habits. If you're that's listening, right. go through uh, Bur- Bury Your Ordinary" with Justin Kendrick. You go through the the Seven Habits is so powerful for us as disciples. And what you said lastly of uh, pouring out of a full heart. You know yeah, we we talk about parenting in a way that is from the overflow of our heart, loving our spouse from the overflow of our heart. We, we can't pour anything out if we're not putting anything in. And so I love, love, love uh, just these habits, especially this first one. Now in the book at the very end, uh, you have an assessment tool that you include just real brief. Tell me about this assessment. I think it's really cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, um, again, you know, in our academic, you know, uh, driven society. Everybody wants a score. Right. And uh, just give me an A, give me a B. Let me tell you how I, you know, how I'm doing. And I don't want, you know, our relationship with God doesn't get graded like that. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, He gives us an A by faith in him, you know, and so uh, we receive the righteousness of Christ. But uh, but this is just a real practical way to kind of every month take a stop, you know, just stop your kind of your progress and and do a, a, a checkup. And so it's kind of like going to the doctor and then, you know, they're, they're knocking on your knees and they're kind of looking in your ear and they're going, Hey, I think everything's okay. Um, doing that on a monthly basis uh, with your spiritual growth is actually really important. And it's funny because of course we do it with our physical bodies. We just don't do it with our spiritual growth. And so um, the assessment tool is really just a way to kind of reflect on each habit and think, am I really applying the habit? And is it really stretching my love? Is it actually working? You know? and mm. so, Um, It probably takes 10 minutes, you know, to go through. But uh, at our church, we use it all the time. And we just encourage people, take the 10 minutes and you'll find, hey, what I found in my own journey of following Jesus is that I'll never graduate. When I look at these seven habits, there's always one that I'm like, I've been ignoring that. Mm -hmm. And I got to go back to it and go deeper in it. And and then uh, I feel like I get some traction there. And I go over and say, wait a minute. I haven't been really paying attention to habit 6. I need more of that. And so every time I do it, I feel like it it focuses my spiritual growth. And so uh, that's kind of the intention of that tool. Yeah. And I what I love about
0: it is there're seasons
1: that, you know, yeah.
0: our lives are more chaotic or more chill. There're seasons that we're in, you know, habits 1 through 3 and that's right. habits what the assessment keeps us at the forefront of finding out the balance of these habits of finding out okay oh I could I could work on this I could spend some time here instead of you know what what I think a lot of times when it comes to ongoing discipleship and personal growth uh, we get bored with it because we we don't ever assess we don't ever look how how am I really doing and so yeah. the fact that you added this is a powerful tool for us to really go you know what what am I doing how how's this really working in my life and playing out in my life? And it's just a a really neat thing
1: uh, that that you added. I I appreciate that, man. I think, I think it's funny. Like, you know, if you're doing an exercise routine or whatever it is, it's like everybody wants to see results, but not actually like suffer in any way, you know? And so like, as we do these habits with our church, it's so funny to watch people be like, wait a minute, this is going to mess up my life. And it's like, well, yeah, it is going to mess up your life. But, It's doable. It really, I mean, my wife and I, you know, we have four kids ranging from 14 to two and a half. It's crazy town in the Kendrick house. We got a dog, you know, we got, you know, plus we're leading a church with nine campuses all over New England. I mean, it's, it's wacky, but uh, it's rare that either of us miss our hours in the morning. We're up early. We're up before the sun is most night most days, but, uh, but we have a cadence where we prioritize this Mm. and, um, And actually practice it. And so it is doable, but it will mess up your three hours of TV at night. You know, it will mess up, you know, um, you're sleeping in, it will mess up some things. uh, But that's the whole idea behind bury your ordinary. Some things got to go. Yeah.
0: So the books bury your ordinary, Justin Kendrick, man. I can't wait for folks to get a hold of this book um we'll have it in the Ooh. podcast description links all that stuff uh last question man and yeah. i've ca- I kind of been asking this to every every guest yeah uh, let's say i'm a parent i'm a husband i'm a mom what i I'm, I'm I'm reading this book what's the return on investment what what's the r o i like if I read this and I apply these things i do this uh, what's the point if if yeah. you will oh it's so
1: good Well, you know, Jesus had a very unorthodox way of changing the world, right? His whole plan was to spend three and a half years with 12 guys and then die on the cross, rise from the dead, and leave the church in their hands, right? And so, like, on the outside, this looks like a terrible plan. Like, where's the PR? Where's the, you know, world tour? Where's the, you know, the all the things that we think would be necessary, and yet— More people follow and worship Jesus than any other faith on planet Earth, right? And so it was relatively effective, you know, in its success. And uh, and I think the reason is that he modeled a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And the point that I'm making is that if you practice these habits personally, your kids will live these habits. They'll see them in you. They'll see the change in you. And then they'll begin to actually want them. My boys have watched me seek Jesus first just to stay on that first habit mm-hmm. um, their whole lives and now all of them have time with God in the morning. They're not up to an hour yet but yeah. but they but they're up to 20 minutes they're, they're alone with the Lord they're seeking God that's just that's just what Kendricks do. That's just how we are mm-hmm. and so the, the what I'm saying is the return on investment is that your model is literally the most powerful thing you can do for your home is to set that example and so as you practice these imperfectly, But as you practice them, um, it will actually have ripple effects for your children's children uh, in the way that they see family and the way they see the the relationship with God. Powerful
0: stuff, man. We always say that, you know, be the person you want your kids to become. Yeah, that's it. 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 And I want my kids to love Jesus. I want my kids to spend time with him. I want my kids to, to, you know, make good decisions and follow him with, with everything that they have. I've got to be doing that now. And so that's part of it. Well, Justin, thank you for your time today. Again, the book's Very Ordinary. Uh, We'll have the description on here. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for your impact on the kingdom, man. Uh, Just an honor to have you today. It's an honor to be here. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.